Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Good morning, friends. Let's go to God in prayer. Loving and gracious God, we know that we have found our hope and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. But may these words speak to our heart, guide us to help us to find us ways that we can see the resurrection each day. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He's often portrayed in movies and stage productions as a burly, grimy, unkempt man in restraints who seems to feed off the chants and the demands of the Jewish crowd gathered before him. He smiles at them. He chuckles under his breath. And occasionally he'll play to the crowd. Matthew tells us that he was a notorious prisoner. And Mark tells us that he was with other rebels in prison because of a murder that occurred during an insurrection. Luke tells us basically that same thing. But John calls him a bandit or a robber, depending on the translation. Even in Acts, Peter mentions this incident after Pentecost when he addresses the crowd and Solomon's portico. He says this, But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. And as a side note, as I was researching the sermon, I discovered that uh, Anthony Quinn played the role of Barabbas in the 1961 film Barabbas. And that is actually him on the lower left up there in in the play. So the notorious murderer, insurrectionist, Robert's name is pronounced Bar-Abbas, even though through the generations the common pronunciation has become simply Barabbas. He appears only briefly in the story of Jesus' trial and crucifixion and death. Not much more is known about him or what happens to him after he's freed by Pilate. In some texts, including the NRSV translation today, He's named Jesus Barabbas. Just as in Mac, like MacDonald, in Gaelic often means son or descendant of Donald. And O'Brien often means son or descendant of Brian. So it is in Aramaic and sometimes Hebrew with the word bar before a name. Bar means son of and Abbas means father but it means father in a very, very intimate sense, like daddy or papa. Jesus Barabbas literally means Jesus, son of the father. And Jesus the Messiah was the true son of the father. And if you were here last week, Jeff in his sermon mentioned, Pontius Pilate mentioned that the Roman emperor was also believed to be the son of God. Interesting, isn't it? While Jesus wasn't an uncommon name at that time, Pilate in verse 17 gives the crowd a choice. 
Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Messiah? And it's said that Origen, who was the third century church father, and many others who followed after him through the years, refused to put the name Jesus in front of Barabbas out of reverence for the one true Savior. Jesus Barabbas appears in all four Gospels. We don't know much at all about him, but we do know this, that it's because of Jesus the Messiah that Jesus Barabbas gained his freedom, his life. So why was the character of Jesus Barabbas important? And why did the Jews want him released so badly? Well, to answer that question, we have to look at the context of the first century in the Roman Empire. Jewish people under Roman rule at that time had few options when dealing with the oppressive rule of the Romans and Roman codified law. Under this law, the Jews had basically four options. The first one is that they could try to collaborate with the Roman authorities. The priestly class tried to do this. You know, buddy up to them. The second way is that they could withdraw from society, like the Essenes did, go off somewhere and focus on purifying themselves and being apart from people. The third way they could choose was the way that many Pharisees chose. And that was to to try to find a way to make Roman law and the Jewish people to make it more accessible to both. Now the last option they had was particularly risky. And it involved trying to reestablish the golden age of King David and Solomon from 400 years earlier. To accomplish this, a violent revolution would have to take place. And this is more of the way of the zealots, or zealots, some people call them. Some scholars think that Barabbas may have been a part of this group of zealot insurrectionists where a murder occurred during an insurrection at some point. He may have even been quite popular among the Jews for his attempts to revolt against the Roman Empire. Zealots wanted to change their current status, which was being under Roman rule, by bringing back the old rule and the old way of life. That was the golden age to them. And one way to do this was to stage insurrections and riots. And if you dared to commit a crime against the Roman Empire as an insurrection would have been, you were bound for one of the most painful, gruesome, and drawn-out forms of capital punishment available, death by crucifixion. With crucifixion, you eventually suffocated to death as you could no longer lift your chest to breathe air to fill your lungs after hanging on a cross for hours and hours, sometimes days. So once Jesus the Messiah was assigned Barabbas' sentence and punishment, he took the place of Barabbas on the cross and he suffered in agony for it. The whole scene in our passage today is one of Pilate trying so very hard to pass the buck. He knows that Jesus is innocent. The Jews know that should Jesus the Messiah continue to stick around, that an uprising will begin among the Jews because Jesus claimed 
to be the Son of God. Blasphemy. And Pilate certainly didn't want an uprising to happen. So for the Jews, Jesus had to go. The Jews were expecting a mighty warrior to be their Messiah. Jesus the Messiah was anything but that. He was gentle. He was sinless. He carried on pretty level-headed conversations with Pilate, even while knowing the horror that was going to await him. He simply did not fit what the Jews expected of a revolutionary things that the Jewish leaders found disturbing. His teachings urged followers to tolerate the unclean, which went against Jewish purity laws, to help the poor, to love their neighbors as themselves no matter what. His teachings look forward, not backward, to the good old days like the zealot mindset. His revolutionary teachings look forward to establishing God's kingdom on this earth. Jesus Barabbas was a threat to the empire because he might incite more revolutions, which might bring more murders if he were let go. Jesus the Messiah was a political threat to the Roman Empire and the established Jewish order. He was trouble in their eyes. The interesting thing, though, about this was that Jesus' teachings promoted anything but violence, anything but insurrections. To the Jewish leaders, he was not a warrior, but he was stirring up trouble in their eyes. And since the Jews could not kill him themselves under Roman law, they used a known loophole so they could get the Romans to kill, them, kill him for them. This loophole was a custom during Passover where Pilate would forgive one prisoner of his crime and sentence. This helped keep the peace in the province that Pilate governed. We don't know if it was part of Roman law to do that or if it was just something Pilate did to keep the peace. Pilate seriously thought that the Jewish crowd would want Jesus the Messiah released because he hadn't killed anybody. Nobody would want that rebel rouser and murderer Barabbas released. As it turned out, the one person who walked this earth who did not need forgiveness turned out to be the one that the crowd could not forgive. The man who needed no forgiveness took the place of the man Barabbas who needed forgiveness and who, at least in our scripture, never asked for forgiveness. Barabbas just played the crowd he soaked it all up as they chanted his name, that he, they wanted him released, and Jesus the Messiah crucified. And then Pilate washes his hands in front of the crowd, and he says, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the last thing that's recorded in our scripture that is said by the crowd the last thing that rings so true to us today as we walk this Lenten journey together is this. His blood be on us and our children. Where Barabbas was saved from a cruel death by the crowds chanting for his release, 
And Jesus, the Messiah, was sent to be flogged and nailed to a cross. We are saved through that blood that was shed that day. Death was conquered for us. Not by the crowds chanting. Not by Barabbas playing the crowd and being released. Not by Pilate trying to release Jesus the Messiah. Instead, no. Death was conquered for us that day by Jesus the Messiah. By his willingness to stand there listening to his own people call for his death. His own people. I do wonder whatever happened to Barabbas once he was free. Did he feel anything for Jesus? Any gratitude at all once the decision was made that he, Barabbas, would be freed? He never speaks a word in our scriptures and we simply don't know what he did once he was freed. Did he even eventually comprehend that he was literally saved that day by Jesus the Messiah. We will never know what he thought and felt. But movies, plays, and artists over the years have provided their interpretations of this scene and what Barabbas may have been feeling. There's a piece of artwork, a terracotta relief, I believe it's up here, that was created in the late 1870s titled The Release of Barabbas. It's by an artist named George Tenworth. In the relief, Pilate is standing in the middle and he's washing his hands of the choice that the Jews want. To Pilate's left is Jesus, hands bound, being led away to be flogged and crucified. He seems solemn, but he seems dignified in his solemnness. But Barabbas is depicted as stepping forward, almost as if he is stepping out of the relief. He seems happy. There seems to be a smile on his face, and his hands are outstretched like this, as if he's accepting congratulations from the soldiers around him. Under Jesus is the inscription written, The Good Shepherd. Under Barabbas are the words written, The World's Choice. How often does humanity turn against those whose message is one that's against the norm? Jesus' message was against the norm. For him, it was not all about purity and law. It was about loving God, about loving neighbor as yourself, serving the unclean, the impure. And I think about people throughout our history who have met their demise while preaching or teaching a message that some simply found unacceptable. I think of Martin Luther King Jr. and his message of freedom and tolerance and peace and love. His life was abruptly ended by an assassin. The German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, seeking justice for Jewish people by taking a stand against Nazi dictatorship, by opposing the genocidal persecution of the Jews. His life was taken by the Nazis. Mahatma Gandhi, whose message was one of tolerance and peace, who worked at building interfaith relationships, was killed by an assassin as he walked to his prayer meeting. Their messages were against the norm for some people. And those people took their lives. 
How would we have responded if we were in the crowd that day before Pilate? We know the full story now. We know that Christ died on the cross for us, all of us. But if we were back in that time, would we be in that crowd chanting for Jesus to die and shouting for the release of Barabbas? Or would we simply want to wash our hands of the whole ordeal like Pilate did? The hymn, Ah, Holy Jesus, that our sanctuary choir sang last week and that we sang in the traditional service today, ask us to ponder this. These words are, Ah, Holy Jesus, how hast thou offended that we to judge thee have in hate pretended? By foes derided, by thine own rejected, O most afflicted, who was the guilty? Who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus, hath undone thee. T'was I, Lord Jesus, I it was denied thee. I crucified thee. I also think of another hymn that asks us a question about this. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? We may not have been there physically. But we were there as humanity called for the death of someone whose message was different than the teachings of his own people. Because of Jesus taking Barabbas' place that day, our hope is now found in Jesus' death and resurrection. We find that hope each and every day of our lives. Hope of the resurrection is found in being freely forgiven and in turn being able to forgive others. It's found in never having to fear death or having to fear the uncertainty in life, such as we're experiencing right now, because God is always present with us. Knowing that God will always love us because he gave his only son for us. Resurrection is found in knowing that the Holy Spirit always surrounds us because Jesus promised us that. And resurrection is found in finding our purpose in serving others as Jesus asked us to do. As I was thinking about that day, the day that Barabbas was freed and Jesus in love went to the cross, I'm reminded of all the times that I have been honored, truly honored to be on the holy ground with God's children when someone they love is suffering or hurting are dying. 
I can't count the number of times that I've heard someone cry out, please God, give this to me. I'll take it for them. Let me suffer. Let me hurt. Just take it away from them and give it to me instead. Their love is so strong that they cry out and plead to God to let them take on the pain and the suffering for another person. And then I think of Jesus quietly standing beside Pilate, knowing what awful, awful things were coming. He could have cried out right then for God to spare him. He didn't cry out. He simply took it upon himself. He took the sin and the weight of the world upon himself so that like Barabbas, we could be freed from our chains that bind us and our sin. In his abundant love for us, in his suffering, in his death, and in his resurrection, we find our own resurrection. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, help us each day to look around, to find the meaning of the resurrection in our lives every single day. Help us to imitate the teachings of Christ, to be his people, his lights on this earth. For we ask all this in his holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.